Thank you. Woo. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Woo. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, and in terms of the slides, John, I won't need them yet, but I'll give you a, a sign when I do. Is that all right? Okay, good morning. Good morning. Yeah. So I was going to read Psalm 18, but um, Nick's just been reading it um, uh, this morning as well. Um, but um, if I now flip to Psalm 18 on my phone, the Passion Translation, I'm actually going to lose where I am, and I've got so many notes that it took me about three minutes to scroll all the way down to find out where Session 5 is. So... So your homework is your your homework is to read Psalm 18. All right. Ah. So I'm going to give you a scripture this morning. Psalm 34 verse 17 says, "When holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, the Lord will hear them and come to rescue them from all their troubles." which is like Psalm 18, yeah? Which says, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I will be saved from my enemies, yeah? Because it talks about rock being our, our rock, our fortress, our, you know, our strength, uh, shield of salvation, etc. So I'll read that again. So Psalm 34, verse 17 says, When holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, the Lord will hear them and come to rescue them from all their troubles not just the big ones in their minds, all their troubles. So if that's, that's, that's helpful to me, that's a word of life to me today. So it's a word of life to you. Grab it and walk in it. So um, thank you, Alan. Um, the, uh, and thank you to the people that, um, that are listening to this podcast and um, uh, just the, um, the encouragement. So yeah, just within the bay, but within this land, but also in, you know, France, Northern Ireland, um, USA. So a lot of people um, just responding to what God's saying through this. So I, um, I thank the Bay for the privilege to serve and, uh, and thank you again for, um, for number five of six. Um, and if you come tonight, I might even sing Barry Manilow's um, um, Looks Like We've Made It. Um. <laughs> But if that's going to put you off, I won't sing it, and you can come anyway, all right? <laughs> so just to recap, um, what, we've, what we... Oh, yeah, can I just say that... Um, um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to do a recap of yesterday, uh, last Sunday evening, but also, also where we are. And Alan's done a great job is the fact that actually we don't want any loose cannons in the church. And the thing about the prophetic being restored to the body... And I talked a lot about that. I kind of emphasized that tremendously to emphasize a point is the fact that the church is built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, right? So if I was against the church, what would I do? I would make sure that at least one of those two types of people would be outside of the church rather than inside of the church so the foundations are on shaky ground. 
So I would encourage loose canon prophets not to be in the church because therefore I've therefore destroyed half the foundations of the church, the local church. Therefore, if I'm against the church, I'm, I'm actually very happy about that. So that's why I'm actually not apologizing for, for, for keep saying, if you're outside the church as a loose prophetic canon, you need to be in the church because, number one, you need to be in the local church because that will actually enhance your prophetic gifting and help you to serve more people. But actually, you will be used as a foundational aspect of the church as you come under and within that structure. So you will be actually, your gifting and your reach will be far more within the church rather than out of the church. Plus the fact actually you'll be actually undoing the enemy's work. Because actually, the, if you, by definition, if the, if the foundation of the church is the apostles and prophets, and the whole activity of the enemy is to, to create a fracture between the prophetic and the church, therefore you are doing the enemy's job by staying out of the church. I, I didn't say that. It's what it says in the Bible. So actually, if you want to kick the enemy in the teeth, just actually come back to the local church. Yeah? And be a foundational pillar. And be a base by which we can send out apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, out from a place of security and being built up and secure in their identity and character to places like Bulgaria and everywhere else where actually you can then come back and be resourced and you're not running on empty and you're not running on dry and you're not prophesying out of bitterness, dryness and just envy or competitive spirit. That is really simple. Yeah. I'm, getting, sorry, I'm quite passionate about that. Yeah. So that's why I've not apologized the fact that actually we are having slides today, all right? And you're probably thinking in six sessions, Mark will actually uh, start talking about the, the, the nuts and the bolts, the mechanisms of prophecy, which is why we're not doing it until session five. And we're only doing a little bit of it because I'll finish it off tonight. It's because we need to get the foundations right. And it's all about following the way of love. Yeah, and we prophesy and we reside in and be in love. So we speak, when we prophesy, we speak from that place of love. And even before we speak, we're giving out love. And we're so secure in our identity that actually we would actually prepare to, to look a fool for the benefit of the person opposite us because we don't care, because we're so secure in our identity as a son and daughter. It's not about us looking good. It's about blessing the person opposite. So that's why we're talking about, we've talked about character and gifting. We've talked about, we've touched on power and authority. We talked about how do we respond when you see success in other people, the competitive spirit. We talk about what are the things that would keep us in that place of love and identity and working from our inheritance rather than for our inheritance, which was, um, I talked about chair one last Sunday evening, it was chair one, versus where we w the enemy would like us to come out of that place into the area of chair two, where it's about performance. It's about working for our inheritance. It's about blessing me rather than blessing them. Because that actually is not where we're effective. In chair one, we're effective, and we're in that sphere or field of influence that Paul talks about, and we talked about that last Sunday evening, and from that place, 
we are highly influential because actually, because we've seen what our yes is to God. God is saying, Mark, go to this place. This is your yes. Then all of a sudden, with hardly any effort from, from me, it's highly successful. Whereas in another sphere, I'm bashing my head against a brick wall and I get grumpy and tired and burnt out. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Then I just give up. And so I give up on this prophetic malarkey because it's not working. It's making me grumpy. Does that make sense? So we talked about the homework is what is your yes to God and what is your sphere of influence? Hmm. So because of that, then we can be, we're being overwhelmed by the love of God, not being overwhelmed by the word, world. And it was identifying phrases that we use, which actually are red flags that actually say to us, we're being overwhelmed by the world. Like, who else is going to do that if I don't do it? I have to do everything. Where's team in that? Okay. Woo! S I could go on, but I won't. But, but there are certain statements that actually are red flags to you when actually you're coming out of that place of presence and going into performance. That was uh, homework last week. And then I finished about saying, um, you know, from that place of love, acceptance, what Jesus has done in our life, we all have a story. We all have a testimony of what the love of God has done for in our lives. And don't underestimate the power of that testimony. Blood of the Lamb, power of our testimony. So what's your story? What is your story? What is your story? Tell your story. Tell your story. And so we know that, um, that in Revelation 19.10, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that's the link from tell your story to what I'm going to talk about today. Is the fact that, you know, there's the as we talk about, as we give Jesus, you know, talk about Jesus and about what Jesus has done in our life, that is an element of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Because you're saying, well, you know, it's like Mark stands at the front and he gives a kind of 10-number credit card thing and all that sort of stuff. Well, actually, test me of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. Somebody comes in the back door, don't wait for individuals because actually this is about prophetic culture. This is about all of us giving words of life. So if you're sitting on the back row, you can tell about what Jesus has done in your life to that person. You're holding out the word of life. That is prophetic. Yeah, but Mark didn't sound it. Yeah, but actually that's going to change that person's life because it's going to strengthen courage and comfort and it's going to direct them to Jesus, which is actually what prophecy is all about, which we're going to see later. So you're thinking, well, I'm not ready for that. You know, it's a bit, <laughs> <laughs> it's all a bit, it's all a bit, you know. What happens if it goes wrong? Well, what happens if it goes right? Don't know if, is, Na is Natasha here this morning? I haven't seen her. No, she's not, no. But, um, you know, Natasha said, Mark, you know, because I do this a lot of the time in Speakers of Life and wherever I work and things like that is to actually, uh, you know, is to encourage the risk and to actually open your mouth because if you don't, if you don't open your mouth, nothing will happen. So if you open your mouth, something will happen. And if you open your mouth and you're in love, this is follow the way of love, 
you could actually say something, and Sean Boltz is actually, you know, really booked. He, I think he led someone to Jesus or something by giving the wrong prophetic word, you know, uh, which um, I've seen happen in the teams that we've gone out of, you know, because they're following the way of love, because actually they're saying, well, actually that doesn't mean anything, but but just the way you were talking and the way that you prepared to, to look a fool for my benefit, what is going on with you? You know, it's like, and then they tell them about Jesus and they lead them to Jesus through a inverted commas wrong prophetic word because they're following the way of love. All right, yes, clearly it's nice to connect the two and get something which is right, but actually if you say nothing, nothing will happen. And we celebrate the risk. So we, were, um, we had a, uh, a heaven encounter evening in our house on Friday night and some of the people uh, who came to that are here. And um, I just said, well done. Well, we haven't done anything yet, but well done. <laughs> well done for pitching up. Well done for saying yes and actually sowing your presence into his presence. Isn't that amazing? Because then the pressure is off. When you go treasure hunting, it's the usual thing. Well done. Well, I haven't done anything yet. Well, actually, you've turned up. You've pitched up. And for those, you know, for, I mean, when you lead someone to Jesus, it is, it is the, it's, it's actually the easiest thing in the whole world because actually you realize at that moment that it's nothing to do with you. You could be a cardboard cutout. However, what you've done is you've said yes and you've, s- you've shown up in the right place at the right time and you've given a word which actually resonates with that person, even though you probably don't have a clue. And I've led people to Jesus, and I think, oh my goodness, that was how did that happen? I could have be, I could have actually been made of wood, you know, and it just happened. So, but actually, what I did do is I opened my mouth, and if I hadn't opened my mouth, I would never have the privilege of seeing that, which is amazing. And so, some of you say, actually, I'm not, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether it's it's time. I'm not sure whether or not I, I'm feeling it, you know. It isn't about feeling it, all right? I can tell you, all right? It's not whether you're in the mood or whether you've, you've just read, which I do, I do read the Bible a lot, but you can say, okay, I've just read the Bible tonight, I'm ready. Read the whole Bible tonight, I'm ready. Or I've, you might have not read any of the Bible for a week and you think, oh, I'm not ready. Actually, God is always ready. I mean, clearly this is not a message to say don't read the Bible, but what I'm saying is God is always ready. He's always in the mood. He's always in the mood. So actually, it doesn't matter what we feel, because God is always in the mood. I don't feel like talking to, you know, that person just come in, well, God's in the mood, so just do it, Mark. Okay, 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 I'll do it. Thank you, God. Thank you in the mood. You know, and then you suddenly find out, oh my goodness, this is going way better than I ever thought it would. So there's a scripture which I love actually, and it's in Ecclesiastes, and I might read it in two different versions. And it's about um, prevaricating or procrastinating. And before I became, before I got born again, in, in like a nanosecond, and Juliet was there, Juliet and Steve Abley were, um, my wife Juliet was the first person ever to tell me about Jesus in my life at the age of, Four. no, <laughs> I'm just, 19, 19, nobody would ever told me about Jesus. 
right? So do that. Tell me about Jesus. I used to have a poster on my wall that said, tomorrow you will quit, quit procrastinating, right, before I became a Christian. Now, I think sometimes people wish I just was a bit more reflective about making decisions. I make decisions so quickly, you know, that, whoa, you know, so I'm completely changed in an instant, all right? So there's a, there's a passage in Ecclesiastes that says, if you wait for perfect weather, you will never plant your seeds. If you're afraid that every cloud will bring rain, you will never harvest your crops. Okay, I'm going to read this now in the message. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. In other words, don't sit there watching the wind. You know, don't stare at the clouds. Get on with it. Um, so in other words, it's, it's kind of, well, I'm not ready. It's not all lined up and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, um, I'll just wait for the perfect moment. And then I'll do it. I'll wait until I've read the Bible a hundred times that night, and then I'll do it. Or I'll wait until I'm in the right mood. Or I've done all my jobs, you know, I've done my homework, or I've done all my dissertations, and I've done this, and then I'll be ready. Because actually, God is always ready. And it might be that actually you are working hard, or you haven't got a lot of time, and I've seen this in my own life, and you've seen this in your own life. You might have 60 seconds where all you're doing is actually just getting a cup of coffee or, or getting some water or just walking out of a building and actually just getting fresh air. And God will s highlight someone, and in 60 seconds, you're able to give a word of life. That has happened to me where I've uh, literally had two minutes, and actually two, those two minutes have either led to praying for someone for healing, for giving a prophetic word, or actually, in some instances, leading them to Jesus. Because, because actually... I wasn't waiting for the perfect moment. I'm thinking, God, I've got this, but you're in control of my diary. You know how those two minutes work because we know that those two we, God is not bound by time, so he's able to, those two minutes on the planet is like, you know, I don't know how many thousands of years in the heavenly realms because it's outside of time. Does that, does that make sense? So give God what you have. Don't wait for the perfect weather. So now's your time. Yeah? We're listening to this series. It's not like, well, this is good. I'll probably get around to it at Christmas. This afternoon. Tonight. Tomorrow. Tomorrow on the bus. Bus stop. And we're going to encourage you maybe to, to kind of think, well, okay, let's start off with a word of knowledge. But I'll get onto that in a minute. So I... Personally, I find that Ecclesiastes passage uh, challenging to me. For people who know me, um, actually, I'm very, I, I know I do bold things, I do this and that, but actually, I, I need to keep reading this. I need to keep reading this because what I'm walking in now, in a year's time, I want to see is a good start. I want to see, actually, you know, what I'm walking in now is actually quite a good start. Because in a year's time, I want to look back and think, actually, Mark, you were doing well. Actually, it was a good start. Yeah? 11.4. It's great. Huh. Can I read it again? Because it's really good. I need to hear that. Can I? Is that okay? Woo! If, ah, if you wait for perfect weather, you will never plant your seeds. Come on! 
God's given us loads, like, I'm, I'm not going to, Bill Johnson does a good thing about seed and bread and stuff. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like, listen to his message, right? But we've been given a lot of seeds. Eat your bread, plant your seeds. Yeah? Don't eat your seeds and plant your bread, right? That's, 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 that's the amazing message summarized very quickly. But God's given us lots of seeds, and so actually we should be planting them. Yes? Yes? Because if we, when we plant them, we get more. We get like a whole bucket load more. We might actually end up giving lots of way. And they may get the credit, we won't. Test of character versus gifting. Ooh, this is good, isn't it? If you're afraid that every cloud will bring rain, you will never harvest your crop. There's a crop out there for you to harvest. And some of you have been planting a long time. There's a scripture in Isaiah or Jeremiah. I think it's Isaiah. Uh, I could find it, but it talks about um, forever. You don't really want to be forever plowing up the ground. You need to plant. You don't want to be ever planting because you need to harvest. You don't want to be kind of um, grinding up the, the, the grain. You need to make some bread. You know, that, that passage. So in other words, you know, some of you have been planting, but actually now's the time to, to reap. There's a crop out there. So what are you waiting for? It's a good question, isn't it? So Mark, what are you waiting for? So, so prophecy, and I'm looking for my bit of water now, there it is. Prophecy in its um, simplest form is hearing God and repeating what he says. Yeah? That's, that's reasonable, isn't it? Uh, and uh, and it's, it's signposts to the one who is the answer. It's a signpost to the one who is the answer, who is Jesus. So we're going to go on um, later, possibly this session, certainly tonight, about, about when we test a prophetic word. Well, clearly, if a prophetic word points to Jesus, that's good. If it points to the individual or to something else, then that's not good. You'd be surprised what a revelation that is when actually people have prophetic words. They say, well, did it point to Jesus? Well, actually, the person built themselves up and it was all about them. Well, well, clearly, filter that out. We're not meant to chuck everything out, but actually, you know, the scripture talks about sifting the meat from the bones. We run prophetic appointments um, at next door once a month through Speakers of Life and uh, half an hour appointments. And at the end of the prophetic appointment, we give people a two-pager, actually, at which they're meant, which I said, you know, read this because this will help you to steward uh, your prophetic word and test it. And that's what we're meant to do. And that's what we're going to do through these sessions. So I want to give, um, before I do that, I want to jump into um, uh, various things. But uh, I just was reminded about sharing about... Um, uh, last 
Sunday night. We actually thank you, uh, Paul, for um, giving us permission to turn the church um, uh, completely around. For those of you who weren't there, we actually had the worship at the back of the church by the sound booth. We created a space there and we turned all the chairs around so we were facing, as it were, the reverse way and we were facing out into the street. We had no words because obviously there was, n there was just the sound booth. And um, I think it was Richard, Amy and Natasha who were leading worship. And, and we've, we've, you know, in a very excellent way, in a right way and everything else, we've been spearheading the sound, you know, releasing our sound. And, and various uh, folk that who know who they are have been amazing at encouraging us to release our sound within the bay. And there was a moment uh, that Sunday night where people came up as an army, and, and these are other people's words, not my words. They were saying, it's the ecclesia. So there was kind of people from different churches coming together, one body of that, came together and started to release a sound. There was a moment where there was no, right, we will do this now. It was it was in the spirit that actually um, every there was a sound that was released in people that I've not heard before. I produced a sound that I actually didn't know I could make. I've never, I, and, and actually there were people to my left and to my right who were doing the same thing. And it was spontaneous. It wasn't like we will do this now. And I've never, ex I don't think I've experienced that actually in, in any aspect of worship that I've been involved in. Um, uh, it was just a sovereign thing. And then I was thinking about, Lord, so why did that happen um, that way? And actually, a few people came up and said, Mark, it's because we were facing out of the church onto the street. So the sound that we meant to release is to is outside the church rather than inside the church. It was almost like it's not, we, it doesn't mean we don't release the sound in the church because we're actually we are practicing and training and we need to resonate to that. But actually, the sound that actually God is giving us and the words that he's given us, which are the words of life, are to be released outside. For those that don't know that message, for people like me who got to 19 years old before somebody told me about Jesus. There's a scripture, and, and actually, um, uh, when we get on... Yeah, we will get onto the slides, but I'll do this tonight as well. Um, it's scripture is in Philippians 2, um, that you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, the word of God. Right? You shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of God. Holding out the word of God is making a sound, uh, offering, you know, be, d doing whatever the, the kindness and the love of God compels you to do, because we're compelled by love. Yes? I'm completely off my notes now, but anyway. Um, so, um, so it's that being compelled by love, isn't it? So as actually we hold out the word of God in whatever context that, context that makes, we shine like stars in the universe. Well, stars are seen a long way away. So doesn't that actually deal with the fact that the enemy is trying to make us feel insignificant and, and without consequence? When actually we shine like stars? which means we're seen very easily and a long way off. So your tiny action will be seen a long way off in the heavenly realms. Well, what does it matter, Mark, if I do this? Nobody sees me, therefore I won't bother. No, because you shine like stars in the universe.
so, um, so God has told me that when we do next slide, and um, we're not doing the slides yet, but um, that I'm meant to do a star jump, all right? Rather than saying next slide, it's not my idea. I'm not even sure I can do a star jump in these jeans, but anyway, um, so, <laughs> uh, so um, anyway, um, so I shall, <laughs> Alan's sitting on the front row, he's, you know, his hand over his eyes already. So I shall do a star jump, which basically means next slide. But it will actually, I'm saying, God, why are we doing this? He's saying because we need to get, actually, this will remind people that we shine like stars. If nothing else. All right, if nothing else, that's what you've got to focus on. All right, okay, there we go. So there's a couple of aspects to prophecy. There's foretelling and foretelling. Yes? Yeah? We know that? So foretelling is kind of like, um, you know, knowing what's going to happen, knowing the future. So Acts 11.28, Agabus, the prediction of the famine would actually happen. Now, sometimes we can get it wrong because Paul actually got it wrong. Remember when he said in the wi- on that ship, when he was on the ship, we're all going to die. You know, the cargo is going to be lost and everything else, da, 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 and we're all going to die. Then actually the night before, when they did lose all the cargo, an angel came and said, Paul, nobody's going to die. So technically, he got it wrong. Did it matter? No. Was there amazing fruit as a result of it? Yes. Because actually he, got, he, he actually got new you know, instructions and he went with that. And then the other one is, is foretelling, almost like um, bringing the future into the here and now. Yeah, or uh, some people say causing, you know, causing the um, the future. So speak into speak it into being. So we look at Ezekiel th- uh, thirty-seven one to ten, the Valley of Dry Bones. Yeah. Actually, you know, we see bones, God sees an army. But also um, the Scripture, Romans four seventeen. You know, um, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So God reveals to you situations which, um, which this, is, this is how it's going to be, even though it looks a mess now. This is a complete mess, a family mess, um, uh, an illness mess, or a business mess, or whatever mess. But actually, this is what's the reality in front of you. But actually, I'm going to show you it's all restored and renewed, and you're going to speak that into here and now. And actually, th- and, and, and we've all got testimony of that in our lives, where that happens. Yes? Some things are quite bizarre. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Can I give a couple of examples? Okay. So, because uh, I, I like to give bizarre. Um, so, uh, two Sundays ago, uh, remember I talked about seeing eagles everywhere. There was, eagle, there was eagles on the sound, these sound things here. There were eagles everywhere. I've never seen so many, uh, you know, eagles I saw in the car with my spiritual eyes in the bay. I don't, I don't think you could actually fit any more eagles in. And then there was this huge eagle that was here, and uh, its kind of knees, whatever. The body didn't start until above the roof, and then its wings uh, span, uh, covered the whole of this road. And it was about, again, being, you know, beyond the bay. It's beyond the bay. What, what is happening here is beyond the confines, the geography of what we are. So something about eagles that was happening on that day. Um, and then um, I think it was, was it Rachel? Was it you, Rachel, that told me about the one show the next day on the Monday that actually there's a program 
all about the fact that actually they'd released eagles in England for the first time for hundreds and hundreds of years. And not only that, but the and correct me if I'm wrong, but the gentleman who, who was on the one show that actually, uh, and that we released somewhere down the Isle of Wight, Isle of Wight, he said, they're a sign of hope in a troubled time, in a troubled world. They're a sign of hope in a troubled world. Isn't that incredible? So what we see in the spirit realm and we call into being actually can happen, right? Okay, well, that's an, one example. When I was in Toronto one time, some years ago, there was this guy called Kenny Blackwater, I think his name was. But he was a, is that his name, Juliet? But he was a native, um, 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 black something, a Native American, Canadian. And he was speaking from the front. And I actually saw out of his mouth uh, running, running water and salmon coming out of in this river coming out of his mouth I'm thinking salmon there's going to be the salmon's going to come come back to the rivers the salmon coming back to the rivers so I mentioned this to a few people and the next day because that because they were they take the local newspapers they then sent me uh, photos of the newspapers that said for the first time in hundreds of years salmon had just come back to the local rivers So, so, so God can reveal stuff to us, and we can call that, as it were, into being. So how much more in situations which actually affect your business and everything else, where God can actually say, actually, that I can see that that needs to happen, and you call it into the here and now. Ooh. So what, the, what is the difference between a prophetic word and a word of knowledge? Because we know that the two work hand in hand, don't, don't we? Yeah? So the word of knowledge is something that is known. So in other words, it's something to do with someone's past or their present. Historically, it's happened. It's a word of knowledge. It's actually an occasion that has happened. Yes? If prophecy is foretelling and foretelling, it's something which is known. So, so in other words, if you give someone a word of knowledge, they feel known. And that somebody has noticed them. Which actually is very moving. And, I'm, and, and if I wasn't speaking in front of you, I'd probably be in tears by now. But I, I'm not because I have to keep going. But actually, uh, I find this very emotional, is the fact that actually you, God gives you words for people and the way that they respond, and often it can be in tears. You know, you can I'm sitting on, you know, in, in airplanes. I do a lot of traveling, things like that. You can give someone a word of knowledge sitting next to them on a plane, and actually you can weave it into a conversation and they will break down into tears. Because, because you have actually revealed something which is, which is special and important to them that you, uh, there is no reason on the planet that you're supposed to know that. And because of that, they feel known. And they will then want to know, how do you know this? It's because the God of the universe, who is love, and we've talked about following the way of love, loves you so much. He knows everything about you. So often, um, so words of knowledge often will grab people's attention. So in the way that I operate, and a, a way that a lot of people operate, is that the fact that uh, particularly when you're out and about in the streets or something like that or outside events, 
you will often get a word of knowledge for someone which will open up the way then to give a prophetic word or to pray for healing or something like that or to lead them to Jesus. Does that, does that make sense? So, so without giving you detail, this week I was at a conference and God told me um, that um, a lady was pregnant that I was talking to. And actually I found out that um, she'd been pregnant four days. Right now, you know, clearly in prophecy, you don't tell, you don't normally speak about marriage and pregnancy. All right, so you have to kind of that's usually the taboos, right? But this was just to weave it into conversation, and then you end up talking about then there's a sharing at a deeper level and an offering to pray. Yes. So, so, um, so your homework, our homework today, is to actually let's. Let's do kind of like an easy one. Well, not an easy one. Let's do kind of an easy one we can all do, right? So um, where if we're getting together with other people in different families or we're just talking to people afterwards at Cup of Tea Church, things like that, is the fact that ask God to give you a word of knowledge about their family. Well, what does that mean? It might be you might, particularly if you don't know them that well, the names of their children, their house number, the street, Something significant in their family life, a key word, which may seem bizarre, but it actually might be the key word for that family. And you're thinking, well, actually, Mark, what happens if I get it wrong? No, but what happens if it actually is kind of right? And even if it isn't, if we were doing this corporately, we would stand up and applaud you actually for opening your mouth. And the people that say, if you say, okay, like the homework is ask for three things about someone's family. And it might be at work or anything else. And there'll be some people who get all three. There'll be some people who get two. There'll be some people who get one. And there'll be some people who just won't get anything. But they receive the same applause because they have risked. And in the cloud of witnesses, do you think they applaud some but not others? They are championing you and encouraging you and applauding, applauding you every second of every day. They go, there's another one. Whoa. Yeah, come on. Go. He showed up. She showed up. They said yes. Oh, my goodness. They have free will. They've said yes. We don't understand that, but they said yes. Woo. over this thing for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and sometimes it may be really simple. Um, I had a prophetic word once which consisted, I'm used to getting lots of numbers for telephone numbers and credit cards and things like that. And when I was speaking at a church in, in New York, in Manhattan, and I got the number 343, and to cut a very long story short, I didn't get any more numbers. And, and this is why we're meant to learn just to, to say what God gives us. Because actually, I was quite disappointed. The person, you know, I said 343. Three. Well, that's, that's kind of it's quite short, quite disappointing. It would have been far more impressive. Character gifting, orphan spirit, impressive, pointing to me. It'd be far more impressive if I got three four three seven 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 da 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 da. Wouldn't it be impressive? 
but actually it's not looking impressive. It's giving what God gives you, and then don't make it up. Don't kind of embellish it, all right? So that's it, 343. The guy was an American lawyer. 343 to him was, was a, a legal term or a legal transaction where in, in a court of law, if there is insufficient evidence when somebody is prosecuted, they call a 343, which means you can be actually acquitted from the court with no charge. You are free to go. How much more because of the blood of Jesus that our accuser stands accusing us of all the time, but actually in the heavenly realms they proclaim a 343 because of the blood of Jesus, and we can go free because there is no charge against us. Talk about blowing my mind. Am I glad that I just gave, just spoke out what God gave me? Even though, to me, it wasn't very impressive. Okay. Talked about gift, and, you know, gifting and character. So, um, what is a, a simple picture about um, what the gift, the gift is? It, the gift is, is actually, we can all prophesy. What does that mean? We can all receive words of strength and courage and comfort within that context of the love of God because of the almost like the, uh, if you're thinking about a satellite being transmitted, we all have a receiving dish. The gift is not the revelation that God gives. The gift is the ability to receive it. So again, that takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Because wor the words of life and revelation are sent all the time. They're being transmitted. And it's about tuning into that like a radio station or if you've got, you know, a satellite dish and it's been knocked a little bit. You might, you know, there's a, there's a you know, before, before a, um, Sky um, or whatever it is, uh, Workman got a re reasonable price, you try to do it yourself. And you spent a couple of hours trying to shift the satellite dish to get the signal back standing on a dodgy ladder, et cetera, et cetera. And I've done that <laughs> and wish I hadn't. <laughs> so so it's, and, and, and actually John Paul Jackson uh, talked a, a great story about the fact that he was down on one of Venice Beach down in California and uh, there was a psychic fair and he would, he was go this is the thing that changed his life, That's that really s catapulted him to setting up stream ministries and teaching people about prophetic. He was saying, God, I can probably just go down to Venice Beach and you know, cause chaos and, you know, because uh, they're all fakes down there, you know, all that sort of stuff. And as he was walking along, uh, you know, God was saying and telling him, yeah, they're a fake. They're a fake. They've got a gift. They've got a gift. They're a fake. They're a fake. And he said, actually, a small number of people, God said, they have a gift. And John Paul Jackson was saying, well, how's, how, how's that possible? Actually, they have the ability to receive the revelation, right, the, the gift, but they've tuned in to the wrong satellite signal, which, you know, we've done a lot of work with New Age and psychic fairs and things like that. And actually, when you, when you actually, when people see who Jesus is and the light of Jesus, that's what they want to tune into. It's just that they've never done that. They've tuned into another signal which will make do, because it's better than nothing. 
And if you're gifted and it's, that's, it's like, give me revelation or I die, it's like evangelists will say, give me people to save or I'll die. You know, it's your, br- it's your bread, isn't it? It's what you feed on. If you don't get revelation, you, you know, you look for it in other ways. Even it may be counterfeit. You will make do on that. It's actually, you're hungry, so you're making do on a half-eaten banana. But actually, there's a banquet waiting for you. But you don't know where that banquet is because nobody's told you about it. But you'll make do on a half-eaten banana. Yeah? Shaking on my Sunday. Whew. I might not get into my slides, so you might not see my star jump. But maybe I should go on the first slide. Not yet, John. <laughs> Alan says I can star jump anyway. Well, in fact, I think he's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So why don't we do that? John, can we have the first slide? Is that right? Okay. So what are the, some of the values of prophecy? I've written them there, and I'll read them out just because we're on a on the podcast. So I want to read them out. And some of these slides you've seen before, but some of the later ones you won't have done. And I'm actually going to spend uh, longer on these uh, later on because we talk about stewarding, timing, and everything else, which is really important. But we can see some of the values of prophecy will actually are there. You're thinking, my goodness, there a lot of this stuff: strength, encouraging, comfort, vision, direction, is really useful for the church. Building up the church like like a pillar. Foundations of the church, apostles and the prophets. So actually, if you get the prophetic types to live outside the church and be loose cannons, yes, you'll have this, but actually they are wired to bring this all the time. So if I was wanting to destroy the local church, I would actually try and keep all this outside the church because... Vision and direction, prophetic types have vision and direction. Without vision, the people perish. Job done if I was the devil. Prayer and intercession, evangelism, prayer, ministry, counseling, teaching, correction, warning, revealing identity, and releasing destiny. I'm going to talk about that tonight. Shakalabasanda. Yeah. Woo! Oh. Focus map show. Um, yeah. And um, spiritual warfare. Hmm. Okay, are we ready? Okay. For those listening at home, that was a star jump, and it was quite a good one, all right? So, but, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm dealing with my identity and all that sort of stuff, and I was jumping. I was performance. I was jumping out of being a son rather than an orphan. All right, I'm just like to, to let you know that. Thank you, God. Um, so, and some of the components we know of of prophecy are revelation, interpretation, application, and actually, um, the best way of working as a team is the fact that we sometimes work as a team. Someone gets revelation, someone gets the interpretation, someone gets the application. Um, if you're on your own and there's, n- there's, there's no choice about you operating on your own, you might get all three. But actually, the person you're prophesying to might know how it's going to be applied. They also might understand, they might actually get the interpretation. Green donkey wearing a banana on its head. Yeah, I know what that means. Do you? 
So, um, so work with the per. So if you never say that, they will never. You know, if you don't understand and you think, well, I actually, need all three components, and you zip your mouth, then nothing will happen. So, and actually, the three watchwords are: it has to have an element and strong element of strength and encouraging comfort. I'm not, you know, I'll cover some of the corrective words and things like that tonight. But actually, generally, if I- if what's coming out of your mouth is not strengthening, encouraging, comforting, don't say it. Say it to the t- to people you're with who you who you're working with, and they'll say actually actually that's not right. They might just say no, that bit's right, but none of those bits are right. All right, okay. That's my second star jump. That was even higher than the first one. All right, so there we go. Getting competitive within myself. There we go. What does that mean? Um, so. Um, yeah, so we're just going to talk about receiving and delivering. So the re- so we're a satellite dish, yeah? We're receiving stuff. We're receiving revelation, which is from heaven, yes? And the gift is the ability to receive that revelation. So um, what does it look like? I love I love this um, this Habakkuk 2.1, and I won't deal with it because we haven't got much time, but it says, if you read it, it says, to hear what he has to say to me. That doesn't make sense, does it? On one level. I mean, sorry, to, no, sorry, not to hear what, no, was it to, no, sorry, to see, to see what he has to say to me. That's what it says, to see what he has to say to me. In other words, we hear it, but actually Habakkuk is seeing what God is going to say to him. Well, you hear with your ears. You don't necessarily hear with your eyes. But actually what God proclaims actually has an element where you can see stuff. So, for example, when, um, when people, so I understand Cantonese and Mandarin when, when people pray. I don't actually understand a word of Cantonese or Mandarin, although I am enrolling on a Mandarin course uh, oh. uh, in a couple of weeks' time. All right. So, um, but when people pray over me in Mandarin and Cantonese, the words that they speak actually takes a form and shows me a picture or a kind of cartoon, so I actually know what they're saying. So actually, in the words of Habakkuk, I'm actually seeing what they're saying. Okay. Ah, so what does it look like? Well, it, it could look like that. It could be um, an impression. It could be, um, and I remember I used to I see words over people's heads, and I just thought, oh my goodness, I can't share that with someone. They'll think I'm completely lost it. And then I spoke to, um, I think I spoke to John White, um, uh, and uh, he said, oh yeah, yeah, I, 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 I see words over people's heads as well. Because actually when you give out prophetic words, you just read what's written on their forehead or over, uh, and uh, which is, which is because all you have to do is read. You know, that's really simple, isn't it? I can do that, God. I can read, you know. And then he said, oh, yeah, Jim Gold talks about it all the time. Oh, what a relief, you know. It's like so it might be an audible voice. It might be a tongue. It might be pain. It might be an impression. You know, the beautiful thing is we are unique. So do not copy someone else. Well, Mark's just told me he sees words over people. No. That's the way that I see it and others. Does it mean it's exclusive? And for sometimes it's seasons. I, that's not happened to me for about three or four months. I don't know why. Because God's speaking to me in other ways. 
So we go individually through seasons where God speaks to us differently. But, but actually, we are unique in that place of love. And actually, by comparing ourselves with others, we merge into this competitive thing where we want to be like them. We want to have their success in their way. When actually, God is saying, actually, you know, just be yourself in the sphere that I'm giving you. And you will run and fly like amazing. You know, you will just take off. Yeah, the same way here. And the delivery as well. Um, you don't have to speak uh, King James, all right, if you're giving a word. Again, be yourself as long as people can understand you. Um, correct focus, in other words, to focus on the person opposite you. That's the focus. But the primary focus is obviously from the love of Jesus. So you, that's your focus. But then actually you are then delivering that love to the person in front of you. Yes? It's not about uh, you. The focus is about Jesus. So the things that come and you exhort people to maybe do or whatever is actually always pointing to Jesus. It's not pointing to you. You're not elevating yourself. You're elevating Jesus. Under authority, so whether you're um, in a team and there's a leader of a team, you're in a church and things like that, there are, there, there are things that you think, well, I'm not sure about that. Go and speak to the person. Don't be a loose cannon even within a team. Very important. I've been out treasure hunting. And it's great when people are part of the team, but it isn't great when they start to, to be loose cannons and do their own thing. And you turn around and the whole team's there and then one person is doing their own thing. That actually generally doesn't end well. Obedience. Stop when God speak stops. Because I know it comes out of a great place, and I know you want to bless somebody, and, and they might be sobbing in front of you, and they're going through a really t hard time, and God gives you three words, and you really want to give them a whole Shakespeare soliloquy. I know you want to do that. And you're thinking, God, you've given me three words, and they're really hurting, and I really, and it's out of a good, you know, it's out of that place. If he gives you three words, give three words. Stop. Stop. Saying that to myself, Mark, stop. He gives you three words, just stop. Because actually, it's kinder to them, because if you just keep going on and on, it's, it, it really clouds the issue because actually then you're asking them to steward a prophetic word and if you're dealing with our prophetic appointments next door, we give you a two-pager and you think, well, yeah, okay, I know how to sift this, but I've actually now got a, a, a Shakespeare soliloquy to filter when actually what would have been kind of that person is I've actually got three words to filter. This is really easy. You know, does it match up with scripture? We'll talk about that in the later slides. Yes? Yes? So it's really kind. It's kinder to stop than go on. Speaking of which, I have three minutes. Shake came out of my That means I can't get on to 2 Kings 4 and 8, so we're going to do that tonight. Woo! It's all about timing. Okay, so. <laughs> and I'm just trying to now remember what the next slide is, but I think I might just do on delivery because the next thing is to do with how to, to, um, to test and steward. And I'd love to do that tonight. So if you can't come, so tonight will be about testing and stewarding and about calling and destiny tonight and about timing.
and you have more homework. And if you want a, an opportunity to share when you've with your words of knowledge that you're getting and you're practicing today, you know, just about words of family, do that. Can I just give you, um, um, I'm actually going to, because I know what the next slide is now. It suddenly dawned on me. So we've got one minute. Is that all right, Alan? Okay, because I just want you to see me do the star jump. Yeah. Oh, up the step. Oh, here you go. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the next slide is. It's all about the star jump. All right, you ready? Okay, so we're going to do this tonight. The reason why it's important to put this on is it, go, it fits in with the fact that we're all different. And we'll talk about this tonight, but some of us are Nabi prophets where it just bubbles up and we can't help it but speak it out. And, you know, I operate in that. But some are seers where you see stuff which actually can be six months advanced because we spend our time gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. And he shows you stuff. Why are you just gazing on the beauty of the Lord? Yeah? So, so, and because of that, we actually, we are then work together because we're in 1 Chronicles 29, 29, Samuel the seer, Nathan the prophet, and Gad the seer. So they were all working as a team. So team is not new. It was going on for a long time. So, this is a good point to stop. It's almost like halfway through a film. We've just done the first bit and you're thinking, oh, I want to get into the second. So come tonight, and we're going to do some impartation tonight. You've got your homework. So if we just stand up, I'm going to pray, and then hand over to Alan. Yeah. So God, thank you that we've actually got through the right amount that we need to get through this morning, Father God. Thank you for the homework that we've got. We, we, we know we can receive your revelation right now. You're sending your revelation to us all the time, night and day. When we sleep, our heart is awake. So we know that when we're asleep, which is a third of our lifetime, we can receive the, the revelation into our heart, and then the next day we speak it out. And so if we've not realized that before, we open up our heart right now. We say yes to God. We say yes to God. We say yes. I just want to, Lord God, just help me to receive and remember more of your revelation right now because you're sending it. I can receive it really well. Just help me to actually be able to understand it, articulate it, and practice it, God. So, Father God, as we're holding out our hands to you, they're almost like a satellite dish which is receiving that gift of revelation, that, that revelatory uh, uh, signals from heaven, right from the throne room of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And thank you for the excitement that is burning in our hearts that we know that we can take out the words of life. And as we do that, we shine like stars in the universe. Amen. So as a church,